everybody, it's Robin and Molly, and this is Home is Where the Murder Is, and today we are discussing a very interesting case that is from my neck of the woods, Milwaukee. Ooh, Milwaukee. I've yeah. heard of it. It's near uh, Chicago, Madison. It's like a middle ground. Great crime rate. So I actually really up there. Not people don't know this, but I actually was Miss Milwaukee, America for well, Miss Milwaukee, Wisconsin, America for two years. Mm -hmm. And no one else wanted the title because there was a really excessive crime rate. So I took it. And I yeah. didn't do anything with it. Well. So just killing it out here. Um so today we're going to talk about who I think a lot of people might know the case. Okay. I actually didn't know anything about it until I started researching it. And I don't think, and I think the way I came across it was I was looking at murders that happened near my home one day. Cause I was like, I wonder if anyone was killed in my neighborhood. Well, and it's easier to research things close to us too, right. just because there's more information available. Absolutely. Yeah. So I ended up finding this case. And then when I started talking about it with people, Everyone knew about it. And I was like, where the heck have I been? So I am going to be discussing the murder of Christine Schultz. And if you don't recognize that name, it's because the person who is charged with her murder has the bigger spotlight. And her name is Lori Bam Bennett, also known as Bambi Bam Bennett. <laughs> it sounds like it would be sweet. Um, so I'm going to find my notes here and I'm going to get started. Um, so a little bit of updates. So obviously we are now on Spotify and yep. iHeartRadio, and I think it's going to continue to. Um, we're going to add more things as we go along. <coughs> we are still working on our sound and everything. Mm -hmm. Should we, we have I a heater know. on. If you know what, we'll find out if the heater is an inconvenience. Yeah, we'll turn it off, we can. It's really yeah. cold outside, so we need. Well, we, and we're in a basement. Mm -hmm. Not warm in a basement, no. usually. Where is my murder? Where's my murder? Yeah, hopefully everyone... <laughs> I don't know where it is. Oh, hopefully everyone is oh. following or, like, um, has liked the Spotify, you know. Yeah. Yeah, saying follow it. I don't really know iHeartRadio that well. I'm, I'm sure you just, like, follow there, too, mm -hmm. so... It's just another source. Like, my dad, like, listens to his AM radio or whatever on the... Oh, they got the AM yeah. there. So, you yeah. can now say, you know, hey, Alexa, listen to iHeartRadio. Home is where the murder is. Mm -hmm. But he's not going to. He's going to listen to his political talk because that's what my dad does. That's yeah. what dads do. Dads love some politics. Word. So, yeah. So, make sure you're following us on Spotify or iHeartRadio. Make sure you're following the page. Um, again, we're going to keep making this even better and eventually it's just going to run smoothly. But in the meantime, just bear with us. We're trying to figure out what works, what doesn't. Mm -hmm. If you have any suggestions, let us know. We are still trying to soundproof our space. Um, and also figuring out where our space is going to be. I'm hopeful that someday we're going to have our own studio to do this, but one step at a time. Yep. So without further ado, let's discuss the murder of Christine Schultz. I'm starting off with a disclaimer because this one is... A person that is involved is still very much alive, and mm -hmm. they had a big part in it, and I just want to put a little disclaimer out there. 
So I have a very strong opinion about what happened in this case. Which is strange. Robin having a strong opinion about something? I know. Not like me at all. Weird. Unlike many people in Wisconsin, I had never heard about this until I started researching it. So my opinion is strictly based on the articles I've read, the documentaries I've watched, and the podcasts I've listened to. This entire case will ooze with my opinion. But please note, you are all entitled to your own views, and I'm open to a discussion about it. In fact, I would love a discussion about it because I have been trying to talk to people about this case and no one will talk to me because they do not want to get involved. It is very funny how this case happened in the 80s and police officers to this day will not talk about it. Weird. Little. Makes you wonder. Thus, maybe so. Um, Yeah, so there isn't a lot of information on our victim because unfortunately the accused murderer overshadows her. But here's what I know about the victim. Her name is Christine Jean Pennings, and she was born on November 15, 1950, to Earl and Alice Pennings in Menominee, Michigan. Christine married Alfred Fred Schultz, who was a Milwaukee police officer, and they went on to have two sons, Sean and Shannon. In 1980, Christine had enough of her detective husband's cheating and affairs. Surprise, surprise. Sorry, a cop sleeping around on his wife. <laughs> I love my police officer friends, by the way. I'm just going to put that out there. Yep. Um, so she filed for divorce. After the divorce process began, Christine started dating police officer Stuart Honick. And this is just is my... Who, or she knew him, I'm sure, just from... He was friends with her husband. Okay. So they she starts dating another police officer, which, as someone who's been in the law enforcement family... Don't date another cop. Once you've done it, go on to a fireman. That's all I'm going to say. Or anyone. No. Oh, no, there's a list. It's a fireman. Never been a part of that. Yeah. And then once you're done with your fireman, then you just date like a lawyer or somebody. What about like bartender? What's that? You should never date a bartender. Good to know. Good to know. (laughs) Molly's married to one. But he also owns his bar. Yeah. Different situation. Different situation. Okay. Fred, on the other hand, went on to date a 22-year-old named Lori Bembenek. So let's dive into who Lori Bembenek was. She was born L- Laurencia Ann Bembenek. Ann, just like us. Good middle name. Yeah. She was the youngest of three girls born to Joseph and Virginia Bembenek in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Lori's father was a carpenter but had once been a police officer for a short time, and he left because of the corrupt things he saw within the police department. Just kind of like a... Yeah. Hey, where are we going with this? Yeah. Again, I love my police officer friends. But but you're not going to like what I have to say today. But there's bad seeds everywhere. In, in, her in, in my story. Um, yeah. So he left the police department. Lori graduated from Bayview High School in 1976 and went on to Bryant and Stratton College in Virginia Beach, where she earned an associate's degree in fashion merchandising. Hmm. Fun fact about Lori, she came back to Milwaukee and was a calendar girl for Schlitz Brewing Company. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. She was Miss March. Um, so she was a, a knockout, obviously. Yeah, yeah. If you find pictures of her online, she's very gorgeous. Yep. In the summer of 1980, Lori graduated from the Milwaukee Police Academy. Four months later, she was fired from the Milwaukee Police Department. She allegedly filed a false report to help a friend who was allegedly caught smoking marijuana at a party. And because of this, she lost her job. Oh, being ridiculous. 
This did not sit well with Lori as this small offense was handled with a termination. Meanwhile, male police officers were out doing incredibly inappropriate things and not even getting a slap on the wrist. Hmm. Sounds like the 80s to me. Yep. It wasn't long before Lori took her complaints to the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. After her termination, Lori began working at the Playboy Club in Lake Geneva. Oh, yeah. As a cocktail waitress. It was here that she received her nickname, Bambi. That, when, how long did that place operate? It's not still open, is it? I don't believe okay. so. Um, I'm, I'm just curious as to, like, I don't how long, know how yeah. long that operated. Yeah. But I would take a guess that it went through the 90s yeah. because I feel like we were still making questionable decisions about Playboy. Well, well and I feel like, yeah, it was still, not that Playboy isn't still very popular, but, like, that's, like, the heyday of it, kind of, yeah. too. Yeah. So that was where she was at. Okay. While working at the club, someone shared a photo of her, I'm sorry, someone shared a photo with her of some of her former male colleagues playing nude volleyball at a well-known bar called The Tracks. Fun fact, I used to live next to The Tracks and have gotten drunk there many, many times. So I've seen that place. Super fun bar. I wonder if you were over there back when I lived, uh, did you ever come visit me when I lived in the condo with Brent? No? No. No? Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Fun bar. We used to walk over there all the time. Very questionable people, but good times. So I can totally understand why there was naked volleyball there. A little shocking to hear that they were police officers, but not surprised with Funny though, naked volleyball. I just, that doesn't. There's so much. Yeah. And they're like sand volleyball too, right? Yeah. It's going to get messy. Well, and it's funny too because tracks, and I don't know if it still has it to this day, but back when I was going, which was in my 20s, so what, like 10 years ago, they had um, naked women and men in all the bathrooms. So you okay. just, there's just, there's just nakedness. They like the body. There's the naked body. Bar. They like the bodies. Yeah. Um, with this evidence that she was fired for le a less worthy offense, the EEOC suggested she take her complaint to the MPD's internal affairs. In doing so, she created a lot of enemies with these police officers who were now in jeopardy of being exposed and a very unflattering light was about to be shed on the MPD as a whole. Which brings me to my theory of what really happened to Christine Schultz. Now, what I'm about to say, again, is my opinion of what happened. Okay, and I'm only going off of what I've read. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a look at Fred Schultz, shall we? I'm going to come out and say it. I think this guy is a complete scumbag who calculated every moment of what I'm about to discuss. Okay. Okay. Picture it. He's cheating left and right on his wife and the mother of his two sons. Right there, that tells me that he's kind of a piece of shit. Right. Okay. But let's take it further, because not only is he cheating, he's also a narcissistic weasel who is going through a divorce because of his, because of his poor choices and shitty nature, okay? Mm -hmm. He's getting a divorce because of what he's done. With divorce, police officers tend to lose half their pensions. That's a very important fact, and oh. I've seen it happen all the time. That's interesting. Which is why I don't know why cops keep getting married, because you know you're going to cheat. Why not just keep your money? But whatever, that's just me. Yeah. Um, which is exactly why they cheat though, because they know that if they get divorced from their spouse, they're going to lose their pension. Therefore they sneak around. Okay. Okay. 
I know this firsthand that married cops who are unhappy with their married lives will cheat until caught to save the option of not losing their pension. I get it, but if you're so concerned about your beloved pension, which you should be, you worked hard for it, don't get married or get a steel-type prenup so that you can go off and get laid without destroying someone's life. Yep. Okay? Okay. That's my PSA to cops. And I love you all. You're, thank you for what you do. But I have more to say. Okay. Anyway, so I so good old Fred is now giving up half his pension, half his pay, his wife um, to his wife and two children that he no longer has a relationship with, really. Um, and they are living in the home that Fred himself built. That was his home. With his hand? Probably not. Okay. Um, so put yourself in Fred's shoes right now. That would probably piss you off a little bit. Yeah. Okay. But, but at the end of the day, it was his doing. It was his doing, but he's narcissistic. <laughs> right, right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do no wrong. So Christine is an inconvenience to him. His children are an inconvenience to him. That's yeah. what I'm reading. Okay? Okay. So the opportunity to sleep around like a diseased fuckboy without the option of your wife catching you was his trade-off. He wanted that instead of being at home with his family. Yeah. So, okay. so that's one problem that Fred has, is his wife, ex-wife. But wait, here comes another problem. More. Yep. The photos that Lori Bimbenek had to provide to Eternal Affairs just so happened to have our buddy Fred in them. Mm -hmm. So now, naked Fred. Naked Fred. So now he has two problems. But being a savvy detective, he has one solution that will, and we, I will say, this man, in my opinion, has pulled off the perfect crime. Mm -hmm. And let's dive into that. Okay. So one thing to keep in mind when it comes to detectives and law enforcement in general is that their job consumes their lives. Which, understandably, mm -hmm. it is, they don't turn off their brains. When they're on a case, that's all they think about. I have a really good friend that's a detective, and she works around the clock. Her brain is always moving, always thinking about things. She's always asking questions. Mm -hmm. I mean, even when we're, you know, on vacation, it's still there. And I think that's amazing. That shows what kind of detective she is. But it, it does consume their lives. So it can be a lot. Yeah. Even though, in this case, I find that the MPD was very disgraceful in their actions. This happened in the 80s. I'd like to see one law enforcement agency that wasn't corrupt in the 80s. I mean, honestly. Right. Um, and even businesses as a whole, I think, were very the corrupt. The 80s is all about, like, being sneaky yeah. and doing yeah. things. Yeah, and getting ahead and not caring Wrong. about who you take down. What yeah. you do. So even though I'm very angry about this case, I just want to put out there that I am the biggest supporter of law enforcement. The MPD has is my family. I don't, what I say and what I feel about this has nothing to do with the current yes, officers. Different people, different times. Yes. There, I would, I will stand behind the Milwaukee Police Department any day. But the 1980s Milwaukee Police Department and I are not on the same page. And so with that, I'd also like to say thank you to our Milwaukee Police Officers and all our police officers for what you do. Um, I, I appreciate you. So. But not them. But not them. Okay. Um, but, and also don't cheat on your spouses. Just don't do it. Just no. don't. Just don't do it. Just leave. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, the mind of a detective operates differently than that of civilians. When it comes to solving a case, they don't just look at a crime. They look at scenarios from start to finish. 
That being said, a smart detective like Fred certainly has the ability to plan a well-thought-out murder plot that will not only eliminate one of his problems, but the other as well, which is exactly what happens in my opinion. Lori Babenik is a 22-year-old cocktail waitress looking for support from her MPD colleagues with the hopes to get her job back, or at least make changes for other women in law enforcement. Thank you, Lori. So along comes Fred with his charming ways, and Lori finds herself fast in love with him, which is really convenient because this all happens right after she begins her um, quest with internal affairs. Okay? Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, she's out to do this, and Fred shows up. They have what descri is described by friends and family as a whirlwind romance and are married in January 1981. Okay? This was two months after his divorce from Christine is finalized. That's real. That's pretty quick. So I have red flags about this. Yeah. This man just lost half his pension, his pay, and his home to his wife that he married and cheated on. So why would he get married again two months after just finalizing a divorce? Yeah. Unless there was a reason for it. Other than love. I don't... You, I don't believe you can fall in love. No, way. I'm saying that would be a reason. Would be love, maybe. Yeah, but that's not. A, that's not it. Yeah, he fell in love with the woman that's about to take him down. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So. So I. That's the part where I'm like, you don't go from a divorce where you lose everything to getting married again. Well, well no, that period. Yeah. Of yeah. So not to mention, she's 22 years old. He's mm -hmm. 30, or 32, along their runs. Um, yeah, 10 years older than her. So he's 32, she's 22. And, uh, yeah, I see what you're doing, Fred. Um, he's also one of those people said to be reprimanded for those pictures, and now his wife is reporting to her internal affairs. If after hearing all this, you don't think this guy has an ulterior motive, then you need your head examined. Yeah, because right there, that's when I was like, oh, he did it. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a detective. I'm just a realtor with a podcast. Yep. Anyway, so Fred fools Lori into falling in love with him and begins manipulating her, filling her head with how awful Christine is for taking his money and his house, how the kids are such an inconvenience, yeah. and how much better their lives would be if he would have never married Christine and had those children. So with these seed, the seed planted and people now aware that Lori doesn't like Christine because of the things that Fred told her, right. including Lori's own mother, Aww. he can move forward with his plan. And this is how I think things went down on May 28th, 1981, the night Christine was murdered. Now, I don't know who actually murdered Christine. I don't, I know, I think people do know, but I don't. So right. this is just my thoughts. Um, I think Fred convinces someone that he knows, whether it be an, a, a, maybe an, a prisoner that he knows that he could pay off, a friend, Maybe his own partner, Michael Dufree. Dufree? Durfee? Durfee. I can do this. Maybe it was his partner. Yeah, we'll see. But he, he convinces someone to assist him in eliminating his wife and pinning it on Lori. Okay. I believe it very well could have been his partner because he needs his partner to be on board with this in order for his alibi to work. Okay. Okay. So Fred takes a green jumpsuit from his wife's, again, allegedly. Fred takes his jumps, uh, uh, green jumpsuit from his wife's closet, easiest thing for a man to throw on and actually fit, and he either purchases a red wig or finds a red wig, okay? While both are supposed to be working, Fred watches 
from his car and either his partner or the person they hired runs up and down the street in front of Christine's house. This way, the neighbors would say they saw someone in a green suit in front of the house. Okay. Planting it. Yep. Because what do detectives do? They ask the neighbors if they saw anything. Right. This is so great. After a while, I believe that guy got back in the car with Fred and waited for the boyfriend to leave and the kids and Christine to fall asleep. Around 2 a.m., I believe this assailant entered the home and went straight to the boys' room to kill them first. Now, I wrote that originally. Now I don't think that anymore because I read I read another article that she and I didn't want to say this ahead of time because okay. I, it gives away something else later. But now I believe he did go into Christine's room first, and I will explain that in a minute. He does some things in there, and then he goes into the boys' room where he is going to kill the children. How old were the kids? Eleven and seven. Eleven. And so seven. he okay. puts his hand over eleven-year-old Sean's mouth and began to strangle him. When the boy woke up and began to yell. His seven-year-old brother, Shannon, woke up and startled the assailant. The assailant exited the room and went straight back to Christine's room where he shot her with a thirty-eight caliber revolver. When she was found, she was bound, gagged, and blindfolded with, um, her, ha- uh, with her hands bound. Um, she was shot once in the back right through her heart. Hmm. So she was shot through the heart, which is a Bon Jovi reference. It is. So he, you think that the assailant came in, tied her up, went to the boys' room, came back, shot her. Is yes. that what you're thinking? I think he also, I'm going to just say it. I think he, I, I know, he raped her. Yeah. He assaulted her. Okay. And I know that just because there's more information about this, but that happened. Yeah. So this guy raped and murdered this woman, tried to murder the kids, ended up leaving when he didn't get the kids killed. Well, now, thank goodness. Thank kids. goodness, right? Yeah. But... That's another reason why I think that there was some sort of personal attack, uh, knowledge of the kids, because maybe that's why he couldn't do it. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why, what if it was the partner? He knows that family. Maybe he just couldn't kill those kids. But he knew he had to kill Christine because he needed to get that yeah. partner. But, so I don't know. Again, wasn't there. Wasn't even bored. So just just a question. So, um, so the assailant left the boys, and the boys called their mother's boyfriend after seeing their mother lying face down in a pool of blood. Not to mention that they had heard the gunshots. Can you even imagine being 7 and 11 years old and hearing your mother get shot? Knowing no. your mother just got shot. And no. then seeing it. And then having to call someone to come and help. Right. Okay, so here's why I think my theory is correct. So some of the case facts on this. Fred had stolen his oldest son's key to his mom's house and made a copy of it. Why? Why would he have done that? Which he then states that Lori would have had, had access to. Mm-hmm. But so does Fred. But no one looks at that. Yeah. Why are we not looking at the fact that the guy that made the copy of the key that stole it has is more is less guilty than the woman that he was living with? Right. <sighs> Again. Uh, oh yeah. So then the gun used to kill Christine was Fred's off-duty revolver. Which he says Christine, or Lori, had access to. Right, but so did he. But so did he. Yep, and maybe his partner. Uh Uh-huh. So, Sean states the intruder was a man, wearing a mask, wearing a green army jacket, and black shoes. So that he would later describe as the same ones that law enforcement wear. Oh, yeah, that's important. So, the shoes at the time were the same that cops wear. Yeah. So you know this is done inside somewhere. Yeah. 
Mm. Um, he also said he saw the man who had a long red ponytail. So here's my thing. If I were going to murder someone and disguise myself, I wouldn't disguise myself as a woman again. So do you really think Lori disguised herself as another woman right. and, and went in and then somehow managed to look like a dude? No, this yeah. makes no sense. Um, so, and I believe that the reason that this man wore a woman's wig was to make attention come on to a woman assailant. Right. right. To bring mm -hmm. that into play. Interesting. Sean goes on to say, so he is the 11 year old, that he absolutely does not believe that Lori did this because the intruder was clear as day a man. So that right there. So someone that actually saw the person is saying it's not a woman. Exactly. Even though he's 11. Doesn't like matter. So. You know a difference between a man and a woman yeah. when you're 11 years old. Yep. So I absolutely think she didn't pull the trigger, but Fred wasn't done there. Because, again, he knows how what cops are going to be looking at when it comes to a scene. He put the outfit back in Lori's closet, put the gun and key back, and then flushed the wig down the toilet, knowing very well that it would cause a clog and be found. Now, I don't think that he actually necessarily is the one that flushed the wig down the toilet anymore because I did read. So and this is where it gets really hairy. There's a bunch of different information about this, but a neighbor said that their roommate, Judy did it, that she went into their house and said, Hey, can I use your bathroom and flushed it down the neighbor's toilet? But I just don't know what to believe on that one. Either way, somebody flushed it down. So the wig was flushed down a different toilet in a different house and then different apartment in a different apartment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so once it was found, that's when police started to zero in on Lori. Her alibi was that she was at home in bed, but when they found the outfit seen on the jogger, the gun, the fact that she had a key and the red wig, she immediately became the prime suspect. Hmm. Fred and his partner made up an alibi that they were investigating a burglary at the time, which was later proven to be a lie. And when asked about it, he stated that he had actually been drinking at a bar at the time and didn't want to get in trouble for drinking on the job. So they lied. So what bar? And do they have 100%. proof that you were they there? They did not look into it. Yeah. Um, so with all the evidence perfectly placed to blame Lori, she was arrested on June 24th, 1981, for the murder of Christine Schultz. Fred, of course, was the devoted and supported, supportive husband of Lori and had her back throughout the trial. Mm -hmm. I don't like this. Prosecutors claimed that Lori did this because she wanted an extravagant lifestyle and felt that due to the alimony, she wasn't getting it from Fred. <sighs> okay. And this is going to sound bad, but if you want an extravagant lifestyle, you don't marry a cop. Well, I mean, <laughs> like, he was probably making good money. Right. As a cocktail waitress at the yeah. Playboy Club. Well, yeah. Too. And, yeah, I just, I mean... I think our cops are underpaid with what they have to put up with. Right. But they, they're, yeah, you don't marry a cop for an extravagant lifestyle. Well, I'm sure, especially in the 80s. Yeah. So I think that that's, and it's, they were together for two months. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, you don't even have time to realize if you want an extravagant lifestyle yeah. that sort of time. Christine's blood was found on the revolver that only Lori and Fred had access to. Two of Lori's hairs were allegedly found at the crime scene, and I say allegedly, um, but I found this to debunk that. Um, this was found, this is from a, um, it's on Murderpedia. There were questions raised as to the accuracy of the information and the evidence used in the trial. Dr. Elaine Samuels, the medical examiner, 
who conducted the autopsy, had originally concluded that hairs recovered from Christine's body were consistent with that of the victim. After Dr. Samuels had come to that conclusion, the hair evidence was examined by Diane Hansen, a hair analyst from a crime lab in Madison, who stated that two of the hairs were consistent with samples taken from Ben Benick's hairbrush. Dr. Samuels refuted that claim, stating in 1983, I recovered no blood, oh, no, sorry, no blonde or red hairs of any length or texture. All of the hairs recovered from the body were brown and were grossly identical to the hair of the victim. I do not like to suggest that evidence was altered in any way, but I can find no logical explanation for what amounted to the appearance of blonde hair in the envelope that contained no such hair at the time it was sealed by me. So this woman is flat out saying that the this Diane Hansen put Bambi's hair in that envelope. Yeah. Which, I mean, would you like to comment on that, Diane Hansen? Allegedly. Allegedly. And then another thing that came up, a boutique employee stated that Lori was the one who bought the wig. The only thing that made me think twice about her innocence was that statement was this boutique owner says yep she walked in she bought the wig and she walked out now again there's this is this is a total whodunit case so there's different stories so if she did go in and buy a wig it could very well have been that fred again planted something hey Lori, you want to role play go buy yes. this and let's it's as simple or, as that hey why don't you <clears throat> you know try being a redhead yeah for a bit and while yeah, you cocktail like waitress see yeah. if you get more tips that way yeah um, uh, other sources say that Judy, her roommate, already owned a reddish-brown wig, and that was the one that used, was used um, to to put down the the toilet. the toilet. So, and people think that Judy might have tried to flush it because she found out that this person had a reddish-brown thing, and she didn't want to get pinned. So, who knows? Um, again, two different stories. Yeah, I just it's a who done it. Um. The blue bandana found at the crime scene that was covering Christine's eyes belonged to Lori, and I'm sure it did, but again, Fred had access to all of her right. things. A man testified stating that Lori tried to hire him to kill Christine. Again, I don't know. I believe Fred may have yeah. paid this man to say this. I don't know. I There's so many ways to debunk this stuff, so... Right, it's a he said, she said. But there's still questions, Right. Based on what I've read and watched in this case, Lori was not money a money-hungry woman. She and, and she and and true, she didn't like Christine, but she only felt that way because of what Fred was telling her. Sean continued to say that there is no way that Lori was the killer, and that was um, Christine's son. Her body shape and size was nowhere near what the man looked like who was trying to kill him. Also, the attorney hired to represent Lori was hired by Fred. He also did not, um, he refused to present any evidence that would somehow incriminate Fred. Mm-hmm. Isn't this interesting? Well, I mean, and her body shape would be much different than a man's because she's, again, she's a... She's like 120 pounds. Well, she's an attractive, younger yeah. female, probably had a very nice physique if she's a cocktail waitress yeah. and was in a calendar and like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, that's very different than a... Yeah. Man's shape of a body. Yeah. So there is also a theory that what if she had paid someone to kill Christine? Sure. Always an option. Mm -hmm. My question is, where did she get the money? Well, and I mean, yeah. She was a cocktail waitress, and she had debts from losing her job and fighting against internal affairs for her firing. If she had taken the money from Fred, 
spam. There would be proof of that. So someone killed Christine for uh, Christine for Lori for free. No, that makes no right. sense. If she had paid someone to kill Christine, why were they, they wearing the same shoes as a law enforcement officer? Mm -hmm. How did they know their way around the house? Because Lori didn't. She'd never been in the house. Why would Lori use her own items to kill someone? Why would she willingly jog around the neighborhood in front of the house where she was going to have someone killed and leave her personal items in the house? Yeah. Why would she put those items away like nothing happened? Why would she flush a wig in the toilet knowing it would have to get pulled out by a plumber? And my favorite, why would she not have created an alibi for herself? Right. Yeah. I think I honestly think I could have been a better defense attorney for Lori Gunvenick because this is just crazy. Even without DNA, there mm -hmm. is totally not enough to say that right. she did this. Right. Um. Anyway, on March 9th, 1982, Lori was found guilty by the idiot jury who clearly were sucking the you-know-whats of every officer assisting in this setup. She was sentenced to life in prison and sent to, I'm from Wisconsin, and I don't think I can say this, Teichita Correctional Institution in Fond du Lac. Is it Teichita? Tachita? Teichita? No, no, not at all. Anyway, it's there. Yep. In Fond du Lac. In Fond du Lac, huh? Mm -hmm. On June 28th, fun fact, last year's Mrs. Wisconsin was from Fond du Lac. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. There it is. Anyway, June 28th, 1983, Lori filed for divorce from Fred. I'm sure at this point she finally realized that that piece of shit set her up, which she goes on to claim he did. Um, she stated that she received a letter from Fred um, saying that he was living in Florida with a 19-year-old girl. Great. Good. Sounds great, hon. Thanks. He's 32. He's probably 33 years old at this point, and he's living in Florida with a 19-year-old girl. You guys. Yeah. This just gets, it's too easy. So is he not a part of the force anymore, I'm Apparently assuming? Not. Well, no, I would hope not. I mean, I'm assuming that yeah. he was probably... Probably took what he could out of his pension and ran. Yeah. The divorce was granted less than a year later. As stated earlier, that during the trial, Fred stood by Lori, claiming her innocence. But surprise, surprise, not long after she was found guilty, he publicly stated she was guilty as sin. Oh. Look at that. Look how that switched. She gets put behind bars and all of a sudden, oh, she's awful. He knew it all the time. Shocking. The man that set her up is now claiming that she did it. Now that she's behind bars for the murder, I believe that he orchestrated. Lori went on to appeal her sentence three times, each one being denied. During her appeal, she stated that a key witness had recanted her statement and claimed she was under duress when giving it. The witness was Lori's former roommate, Judy Zess. Mm -hmm. And she had claimed that the bandana that was around Christine's eyes was Lori's. She also claimed that prosecutors and the MPD singled her out because of her involvement as a key witness in the corruption case against the MPD. So was Judy in on it, or was she threatened by Fred to work against Lori? Yeah, makes me wonder. Yeah. Lori and many others believe that Fred hired a man by the name of Freddie Horenberger Another to carry... Fred. Yep, there are just so many of them in the 80s. Yeah. By the name of Freddie Horenberger to carry out the murder of Christine. Freddie is a previous boyfriend of Judy Zess... Okay. And prior to the murder, he had been, he had beaten the shit out of Judy and robbed her. He was sentenced to 10 years for that crime, and while in jail, he bragged about killing Christine. Wow. So it is very possible that he did it, and really at this point, I don't care who actually did it as much as I care about who planned it all. Right. This plot ended up, but so we can't ask him because he ended up killing himself um, 
and now he did. Yep. Okay. No, no questions. No. Nope. So this brings us to Lori, Lori's prison time. She made the best of it and earned a bachelor's degree from UW Parkside and helped create a newspaper for the prisoners. She also got engaged to her cellmate's brother, Dominic, I'm going to botch this, Guglietti. Guglietti? Dominic. We're going to call him Dominic. It's interesting. Like, found love. I can't find love in the real world. <laughs> she's in a prison. She's in a women's prison and she found love. She found someone. You died. <laughs> I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> I mean, uh, after eight years in prison, shit got interesting. Mm. On July 15th, 1990, Lori escaped through a laundry room window and hopped into her fiance's pickup truck. I mean, Lori, I like you, but like maybe we don't do that. Oh, no. This gets good. Okay. I mean, at first, too, I was like, girl, you're hurting yourself. Right. But like, that's not going to look good on you. This. This is good. The couple was spotted two days later in Wauwatosa, known as Tosa to us locals. Okay. And then... All right. Shut up. And then soon after, the abandoned truck was found at a Target. We love Target. It doesn't. I'm going there in a little yeah, bit. It's a, it's, this is sad, but when I read this, I was like, I wonder if they ran in and got something from the Dallas spot. They didn't have it back then. They don't have it now either. It's like no. the $3 spot. Three to five. <laughs> But yeah, that's inflation. Like, that's where my mind went. Yeah. So forget the dollar spot, please. Dollar stores aren't even dollar stores anymore. Oh, dollar twenty-five store. That's such a good rate. That adds here. up, you guys. That is not okay. Does. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that was our domestic rant for the day. Inflation. Dominic and Lori then fled to Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada. Her escape prompted a media circus, including folks dubbing her a hero because they all believe that she was set up, and using the phrase, run, Bambi, run. <laughs> there were t-shirts Oh, made. I remember that. Yeah. Yep. T-shirts made, uh, and a song was written about her. Even with all the publicity, Lori managed to create a new identity as Jennifer Gazana and start a new life in Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah, she found a job as a waitress, and she taught fitness classes. Okay. But this new life would be short lived. Yeah. Both Dominic and Lori were picked up at Canadian Peace a few months later on October 17th, 1990. Cute. Shucks. When a tourist spotted them and alerted authorities. Uh, come on, tourists. You know, right? Seriously, Lori lived her life. The tourists had just learned about Lori's escape on the good old America's Most Wanted. After their arrest, Dominic was transported back to Wisconsin where he was sentenced to one year in jail for his role in the escape. Makes sense. You can't do yeah. that. Yeah, you're not supposed to. Lori, however, finally got the real break she had been looking for. She sought refugee status in Canada, claiming that she was being persecuted by a conspiracy between the police department and the judicial system in Wisconsin. And how can you not agree with that? Right. The Canadian government agreed and before returning her to Wisconsin, obtained a commitment that Milwaukee officials would conduct a judicial review of her case. Oh. The review did not find evidence of crimes by police or prosecutors, but it did detail seven major police blunders which had occurred during the Christine Schultz murder investigation. Okay. And she won the right to a new trial. Good. So it makes me laugh that they're like, we, we didn't see any crimes committed by police officers, but they had seven blunders. But there are seven things we didn't like. So the next yeah. time I'm speeding, I'm going to be like, that's not a crime. That's a blunder. I just blundered a little. <laughs> just a tiny blunder on my part. Can you imagine? Like, could you guys cover up any more? Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, 
Lori willingly came back to Wisconsin on April 22, 1991. Rather than risk a second conviction, she pled no contest to second-degree murder during a hearing held on December 9, 1992. She was sentenced to 20 years, which was commuted to time served. She was released from custody three hours after the hearing, having served a little over 10 years. Boom! Okay. It's over. Moral of the story, escape from prison. It all worked out. Yeah. And but go to Canada, not Mexico, yeah. probably. So it's not over yet. Lori oh. does get a second chance at her life, right? But unfortunately, it is nothing but tragic. Oh. Okay. After her release, she went on to write a book called Woman on Trial. It wasn't enough to help with her legal and money problems, so she ended up filing for bankruptcy. She developed an alcohol addi- addiction, oh. developed hep C and numerous other medical ailments. So she didn't stay with Dominic, I'm guessing. Yeah, it doesn't work out. In 1996, during his stay in jail, he was like, you know what? I don't think I picked the right gal. Like, yeah. I someone with a little less baggage. Yeah. <laughs> Not as many blunders. Yeah. In 1996, she moved to Washington to be closer to her parents who were in Vancouver. Some happy news comes out of this. While she was there, she did meet a man named Marty Carson, and she married him in 2005. Oh. Lori was diagnosed with PTSD, which was made worse by her alcoholism. Yeah. Marty encouraged her to channel her fears and uh, pain into paintings, which she began doing. Over time, she eventually had 30 paintings on display in a gallery. Oh, so is that awesome? kind of cool. Then the gallery burned down. She lost everything. Oh, no. <laughs> so happy. So sad. Oh, gee. I know. It's very sad. In 2002, she jumped from a second floor window where she states she was being held by members of the Dr. Phil show. She broke her leg so severely that Listen, it's... Listen, I don't, I don't know, know about that, Dr. Phil. I don't know. Did you see that he just announced that he's ending this show? But there's so many people to help. I think, I think, I think that there's something wrong with him. You can't say that out here. What if he listens to this? He's not going to sponsor us. I mean, <laughs> he he gives me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. <laughs> I, think, I, don't, I think he's funny. He rem- I mean, I'm sure he is a doctor, but I have this beautiful vision that we're going to find out, like, next year sometime that he actually wasn't a doctor. He was just some dude from a trailer park helping people. I think he's someone <laughs> that just, he was on the streets, and he told one person, I'm a doctor. Yeah. And, and they like, just, oh, let me get you a suit. Yeah, let's put you on the TV. Yeah. No, and then he wandered onto set yeah. one day, and he's like, and they're like, oh, are you um, Dr. Phil? He's like, yeah, yeah. I am. Sure there it was born. And, born. and then they just find the trashiest people they possibly yep. can. And they're like, here, fix me. Man. And it makes me sad because it's like, I would love to go on one of those shows, but I wouldn't be able to keep a straight face. Because right. no matter how much I try, I can't be that messy of a human being. I've seen some of the resurfaced like, clips, I think, of Maury and stuff. Oh. And it's like... Where it was someone that was afraid of like olives or yeah, something. Yes, so and she runs away. And she runs away. And they're like <laughs> diving after her yeah. to grab her. And I'm like, I'm like, this is there's something wrong. Who's with afraid all of, of olives? There's something else someone was afraid. Of. Oh, cotton. Cotton. A big pile of cotton. Well, and then there's that show like where people eat where people eat cotton. Oh yeah. I mean that's weird. Like, but like I think just it's so funny. Like they just like <laughs> just run. So you're afraid of olives. Here's a jar of olives. <laughs> Let's record this. I mean, I mean that's different than Doctor Phil. But like, I'm just saying, maybe she was like, "This Doctor Phil isn't a real doctor." I need. She to get probably out of found here. out, so she I'm jumps out, out the window. window. 
So she broke her leg so severely that it needed to be amputated. <gasps> Damn it, Lori. Can you imagine what that looked like? No. Ew. I had gone this entire time of researching this case without that thought. There were probably bones through the Stop skin. It. You were the worst. God. Shattered. Anyway, real wonder. In 2008, Lori filed to have the U.S. Supreme Court overturn her second-degree murder conviction. Evidence brought into play was the following. At this time, in 2008, they had male DNA found on Christine with proof that she had been sexually assaulted. A man raped this woman. She, I mean, yeah, I mean, unless they're saying, oh, maybe she brought that with her and yeah. did, but, like, not within that short amount of time, yeah. either, with the boys next door, yeah. like. Ballistic evidence from Fred's gun that was used to murder Christine was never presented in court. Mm -hmm. So they didn't talk about it because no evidence was presented to make Fred look bad. Mm -hmm. um, and my, what I consider the smoking gun, no pun intended, the two witnesses have stated over and over again that it was a man who killed their mother. Right. Eyewitnesses have been completely ignored in this case. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, her appeals were ignored by the Supreme Court in 2008 and they refused to review her case. Even in 2008, they were still covering up what the MPD did to her, and it's disgusting. Yeah. At that point, Lori had to go on with her life, never getting the chance to truly be heard. Lori Benbenek unfortunately passed away on November 20th, 2010, due to kidney and liver failure. She was 52 years old. That's Fred, however, is still alive. Oh, good. I mean, his best life in Cape Coral, Florida. Is he still with that 19-year-old? You know, I... Probably good. Yeah, I said what I said. A man who went, uh, not only who I believe arranged the murder of his ex-wife and the mother of his children, but also ruined the life of a young woman who went on to spend her short life fighting for her innocence. Alfred Otto Schultz Jr. is a monster. He got away with the perfect murder, and even to this day, Milwaukee and the state of Wisconsin is covering for him. I have always been, again, the biggest supporter of the Milwaukee Police Department, but during my time researching this, I am shocked to see that people are still divided among their, among officers and the town with what he had done. Mm -hmm. The ones who do the right thing and the ones who will do anything to cover their ass. You, you are on one side or the other. Yeah. I'll say this if you can honestly review this case and still tell me that you think Fred didn't have a hand in this, then it really shows your true colors. Loyalty is huge and absolutely needed within the police department, but a murder murderer like Fred Schultz should be paying for his crimes. So why is everyone still covering this? Why is no one looking into this? Yeah. Is it because both victims are dead? And so he should just get away with it? Yeah. I I, I don't know. I don't know. I I also believe that the reason people are still covering it is because of the black backlash that we'll get. Yeah. But the thing is, it's not the police department now that did this. It's the police department in the right. 80s. Right. And did. I mean, and I think it's good to bring to light, you know, past discrepancies yeah. or bad things that yeah. happened in the past to show like we want to do better. Like, and the thing is the world is already against our police departments. Why yeah. not show them that you can bring justice? Yeah. Like show them that you care about the community. Because I mean, it's true. If you see this type of stuff, it's like, well, yeah, you know, it, it makes you think twice about yeah. things. It's just sad. It okay. just makes me sad that he's living his best life and these poor kids who are now adults older than me even you know, grew up without their mother. Yeah. I don't, I, from what I've heard, they, I believe that either one of them believes that the dad had a hand in it or maybe not, but they all believe, both of them do not believe that Lori had anything to do yeah. with it. Yeah. 
So it's just sad. They've been ignored. You know, there's clearly a cover-up going on here, but why? Yeah. So, and I guess we'll never know, but if, you know, I just wish that the higher-ups would do something about it, but, I mean, I know, like, the Police and Fire Commission and all that, they won't do anything to help the help anyone. So, yeah, I, yeah, I don't like Police and Fire Commission in Milwaukee. I don't like you. Anyway. Making a lot of friends right now. Hey, they already know I don't like them. I've written letters. They treat our officers like shit. Well, anyway. So that's the tragic murder of Christine Schultz. And again, I, I, there was not a whole lot to talk about Christine. From what I've read, amazing mother, good person, just married the wrong Well, and guy. I mean, when there's not much to read, that just means that she was just yeah. living her life. Yeah. Well, and and, like it's, just, and it, it just, it's just so sad because of the things that Fred did to her. Like, he hurt her. Yeah. And then she was murdered in her own home where she should have been safe. Yeah. It's just sad. Yeah. So... Speaking of that home, let's talk about it, because that's what we do here at Home is Where the Murder Is. Um, the home was uh, built by Fred back in 1976. Not with his hands, probably. We don't think so. Um, after the murder, it was bought in 1984, and so that was about uh, four, three, four years after the murder, and the same family still lives there today. However, I read that the Mrs. owner, and I'm not going to give their name. I'm not going to do that. Um, Mrs. Owner passed away in 2018, which is sad. An article was written by the Journal Sentinel in 2011 about the family who bought the home and how after 27 years at the time, uh, the house was falling apart. So in 2011, the home was falling apart. No. See, the home sits directly next to Interstate 94. And and I mean directly. If you, I, and I will post pictures later in our group. The, this is the highway. This is the house. They are right next to each other. Yeah. Um, you that can't would, take a picture of the house without seeing the highway. Yeah, that would be hard to live right yeah. by. Yeah. So with each construction project, the highway gets closer and closer to the home, causing more destruction. In this article I read, they were saying that the nails that were holding the walls together, like through the wood and everything and drywall, were being, every time that like they were jackhammering something, it would just, they would come further out of the That's wall. That's frightening. Isn't that terrifying? Yeah. Um, so upon taking ownership... Uh, the family had the property blessed by their by their pre uh, pastor, priest, or whatever, priest. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, they had it blessed because, obviously, a murder had happened in the and home. There's bad juju um, there. And they, the, they were asked, you know, people are always like, how can you sleep in the same room where someone was murdered? And their response was like, okay, we're, right now we're worried about the highway. Like, that's our Well, problem. and, like, how many people don't know that they're sleeping in Honestly, the house the and reason, a, that yeah. someone died in? Yeah, and the reason we're I mean, doing that maybe is not even murder, but, like, just, like, passed away from old age or, yeah. you know. Someone's probably died in your home at one point. That's just the way it is. But, um, yeah, so th th that's why we do this. It's, it's just essentially show you that homes have a lot of murders in them. Like, it's unreal, actually. The, the amount that I have on my list to do, I could be doing this for the next 30 years. Oh, Buckle up. Okay. Okay. Sorry, lost my spot. Um, they said that when they purchased the home, their biggest issue was having onlookers who wanted to get a peek at the house where Bambi had her husband's wife killed. Blah, blah, blah. Since then, their biggest issue has been the deterioration of the home to the construction projects yeah. um, and the devalue that the interstate is causing. In 2011, the DOT had offered to pay, that's the Department of Transportation for those of us that don't understand, had offered to pay for the repairs to the home, but the family stood firm on the state buying the property because you can put more money into it all you want. 
there's no way that house is going to sell to anybody. No one's yeah. going to willingly buy it, and no one, and it's just right. going to keep getting deteriorated. Well, and eventually, yeah. highway. I mean, they'll probably expand the highway even more exactly. and have to. Yep. Get rid of the house. Yep. So, from what I can tell in public records, that never happened, and the home is still there and being lived in. The house itself, um, based off of tax records only, because this has not been sold on the public market, so we don't no. have that information. But the house itself allegedly is a three-bedroom, one-bath, split-level home. I'm guessing it's probably got another bathroom at this point, because it's a very nice, it's a big house. Yeah. Um, and uh, the assessed value of it is two eleven seven hundred. Um, comps put it at about two forty two k, which is crazy because it is such a nice looking house that you would think if it were anywhere else. But it's the location. But it's the location it. that yep. really hurts it. I would say if, if anywhere else, either in Milwaukee, it'd be about three twenty five. Anywhere outside of Milwaukee, it'd probably be about three seventy five. Yeah. yeah, Milwaukee has really high taxes and a bad crime rate, so people don't really like living there anymore. Oh. I live there. Um, kind of. Sort of. Uh, good. Okay. So I do often like to like sell these homes that we talk about. So if these people ever want to sell their home, I'd love to do that. This is one of those homes I don't want to sell. Yeah, please this don't. This would just cost me money because yeah. it's going to be a tough sell, and um, and also I'm just I'm very heated about what happened. I don't like it. I get bad vibes about this. I think someone got away with a crime, a very severe crime, and two people and the friends and family surrounding it also have been suffering for years. So yeah, um, that is my take on the Christine Schultz murder and the, what I call the Lori Bimbenic framing. So, so you're still developing um, your feelings and trying to figure out what you think of this is what you're saying. No. Oh no, no. no. I think that uh, uh, you got, you got your, you got it pretty much down. Eh? I do. Yeah. Um, so again, I'm, absolutely open to a discussion about this, but I'm finding that many people don't want to talk about it. Um, but I hope that after hearing this, you will take the time to research it as well and see that I might not be too far off with my theory. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's, that's it. So thanks everybody. But I remember, I remember the Bambi, the run Bambi. Yeah. Run. Well, and there's movies about it. Yeah. Yep. I remember that whole yeah. So when you said that, it's like, oh, yeah, that's this. Well, and so. there's a podcast that was recently done about it. Um, this woman and her, she does this whole podcast on it, and she goes, her final take on it was, well, I think she might have had a hand in it. And I listened to it, and I'm still over here like, I don't know where you came to that conclusion. Because she read the same stuff I did, talked to the same people. Even if she had a hand in it, she wasn't the, the one, one who yeah. did it. Yeah, she didn't even know this woman. Like, right. come on. And I mean, yeah, maybe she lent some things to her husband. Yeah, very well possibly could have. They could have been in it together. Right, but she wasn't the mastermind. The only thing, no way or no reason. The only reason I don't feel like that could have been the case is because if that were the case, then why wouldn't she say that in, in jail? Right, right. She's coming out yeah. saying, I think I was set up, I think I was set up. If yep. she literally had a hand no, in absolutely. it, then she'd be saying, Listen, I'm ready to talk. He absolutely did this. Right. He Frank. He wanted me to be a part of it. I helped him, and I shouldn't have. Yeah. And like, it just makes you wonder. I just think he got away with the perfect yeah. crime. Oh, I I think he did too. Yep. So there it is, folks. Yeah. But yeah. So if you have an opinion, I want to hear about it. You can email us at home is where the murder is. You can comment on this Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, on the video. 
Yeah. Um, and that's about it. That's all. I well, that's, those are two great avenues. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't be calling me. Um, if you want to get coffee, we can talk about it in person. Um, but yeah, be sure to check us out on Spotify, iHeartRadio, our Facebook page, Home is Where the Murder Is. And uh, yeah, we will be back next week with another episode. Yeah. So Yes, we will. It'll, yeah, it'll be great. So well, thank you. Bye. God bless. Yeah.